0: Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol
1: sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie
0: We are joined uh, once again by Esther McCarthy, Serena Bellissimo and Dean McGuinness. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Hello. Hi, John. Oh, there you are. Yes. What was a, always that? Always that sphincter tightening pause when we're waiting for Esther to uh, <laughs> to say hello? Uh, glad, glad you're there. Uh, and so, sorry for frightening
2: you. That's all right. Uh, and
0: so we, one, my, well, my sphincter perpetually terrified. To be honest with you, uh, I have to bring it to counselling on a regular basis. <laughs> It's, it's difficult to get it to lie on a separate couch though, you know, and talk about its feelings. Uh, so, uh, Dean, we are, ta- we are talking German beers today because we're close to Oktoberfest, the annual Pukefest, or I should say Beerfest. German beer styles.
3: Yes. So we've got one German beer and two Irish beers brewed to German beer styles. Right. Okay. So we've got uh, Einger Weizenbach. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm guessing that's not the Irish one. No, 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 no,
3: no. And I kind of, I, I don't know why, but when I say Einger Weizenbach, I feel like I need To dress in leather and grow a mustache, and <laughs> about. Um, but enough
0: about your personal <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Um, but it's a uh, Weizenbach, uh, so it's a style of beer that originated in Einbeck and then moved down, um, and was adapted when it came down to Bavaria. And we have Hotburg Hellas from Barrelhead Brewery in Dublin and uh, Wickler Brewery Weiss, so um, the the w- 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 Brewery Vice is brewed to a classic German style, uh, Weiss beer style. And then the Hopper Kellis is a kind of a twist on uh, Munich Kellis. Uh, right. So it's Munich Kellis brewed with some American hops to give it a bit of a twist. In the OK, uh,
0: very interesting. And and uh, at least one big biopic, an Irish movie and a biopic today, Esther.
2: Yeah, as as the greatest um, Aretha Franklin fan on the planet, and I've trademarked that many years ago and I will fight anybody for it, um. I was a bit worried about respect, I have to say, I was a bit worried. Um, it was Jennifer Hudson was playing her and uh, it was, you know, it was in, in conjunction with her estate and all of that, but I just didn't know if I was ready to see somebody else playing Aretha Franklin on screen, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, she's And I just thought, who can, who can take on that voice? Who can do it? Like it was what made her unique was nobody sang like her. And here is Jennifer Hudson just acing it Um, in a film that has problems. It's quite problematic in its storytelling, I think, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just loved it as a jukebox musical. She blows it out of the park in her performance here um, and in the song she sings. I think she won me over about halfway through when she um, did almost an entire performance of Ain't Ain't No Way, which is a difficult song and uh, I was already accepting at that stage. I wasn't going to have that. It was going to be a really good performance, but the hairs weren't going to stand up in my neck. You know, when when you hear Aretha hit those notes, um, and then she made the hairs stand up on the back of my neck. So it's a powerhouse of a performance. Whether that's enough to carry a film, I suppose historically and in this case, we'd m- maybe discuss that a little mm. bit later.
0: Okay, yeah, and and I, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but but I have read that at right at the end of the movie, they have a clip of the real Aretha. Um, I think she was singing at like, the Carol King tribute thing. That's, that's, isn't that a bit mean? Uh, because they're going to go, here's Jennifer Hudson trying her best to do Aretha Franken, but here's the real thing now.
2: Uh, it is. It's in the closing credits and I had it on, yeah, I've forgotten it existed and I had watched it about four times last night after um, after seeing the film and uh, it is very special. It I think it works well, actually. Um, it, 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 it forms part of the closing credits and... Uh, yeah, the way she just takes off that giant fur coat towards the end of the song and throws it to the ground—it's yeah. like so diva-esque behavior. It's wonderful, and it was just, you know, just two years before she died, and the voice was still magical. Yeah, yeah, you know?
0: indeed. Uh, and herself,
2: herself is very special. It's really, really good. This one—one one of the best Irish films of the year, I think. In a, a very—in what's emerging is a really strong year for Irish cinema. Um, it's a woman by the name of Claire Dunn, so she's a very well-known theatre actor, um, quite successful, like has worked in Broadway in the West End and stuff, um, she's from Dublin and she was over uh, auditioning in New York a few years ago when she got a call from a friend of hers who basically had had to declare herself homeless. She, had a, she was a single mom with three young kids and uh, she... Had no choice. There was no rent. You know, there was no rental property available. Her landlord wanted her property back, and I suppose she felt just really dismayed and angry for for her friend. And she kind of spontaneously started researching and then writing her very first screenplay, um, which you know she's conceived the idea and co-wrote it here, um, and it's an absolute brilliant film about a woman who. Um, endeavours to build her own house uh, which sounds like a mad idea so you'd have to have a a, a good reason to take it on and she does Uh, she is in a relationship with a very violent partner and she is scared for her terrified for herself and for her kids future so she's you know trying to self-determine her own life again and her own future again and it's a drama about that it's really really good this
0: Right. OK. Uh, the hashtag, by the way, is Stuffed Movies. Uh, two examples being Crambo, obviously, and <laughs> The Lion is Stitched in the Wardrobe. Extraordinarily clever, that one. Uh, this is Here's a question, Dean, that you've got like only a million times before. Uh, does the beer guy know of any decent gluten-free beers? I'm actually celiac, not just a hipster. I thought you had to be celiac to be a hipster, but never mind.
3: Uh, yep. Um, there are a good few of them out there in terms of Irish uh, breweries. Uh, Nine White Deer down in uh, Ballyvourney do a whole range of gluten-free beers. Um, it's a kind of an interesting thing because uh, the people who... Um, go for gluten free beers are fall into two types. They're people who medically have to because mm. they have an allergy to uh, gluten, and then some people choose not to uh, consume gluten or, or reduce the amount of gluten that they have. Uh, the first group um, tend not to develop a taste for very complex uh, tasting beers, uh, the second group. Often have been drinking beer for some time and might have developed a taste for beer, and then they're really annoyed that they can't drink the beer that they mm. that they want to drink. Uh, but nine point Deer do a, a good range across the the board. They do like a, a stout, lager, uh, pale ale um, that are, are gluten free. Uh, also from uh, Belgium, Mongozo Pilsner is a, an award winning gluten free beer. It's a really good one.
0: Uh, is it tricky to make? Because you know a lot of gluten free food is like salty cardboard. It's it's really not that nice. But the the, the So to make a a gluten-free beer, is that tricky? There's
3: uh, two ways that uh, breweries can go about it. Uh, One is by adapting the ingredients that they use. Uh, So some breweries uh, use grains like sorghum, uh, which doesn't have gluten in it. Uh, Now, um, in in being really, really precise about it, the the type of protein that is in uh, malted barley is very, very close to gluten, close enough that the body confuses it for gluten, right, even though it's yeah. not exactly gluten. Um, the other way is that you, um, in the brewing process you can denature the protein, so by um, boiling the beer in a certain uh, boiling the unfermented beer in a certain way, um, that denatures uh, proteins within the beer and it can cause the gluten to drop out of the beer um, and then it can be tested to make sure it's below the uh, at the limit for uh, gluten-free. It's, it's a funny thing when you hear gluten-free, you assume it, it means absolutely zero gluten, but it's less than 20 parts per million is the, the limit for right okay yeah uh, and so once they get it below that yeah. limit it's like alcohol free it's less than 0.5% ABV yeah I have read as
0: well free. some people are gluten intolerant it's actually not gluten it's some other thing that's very similar to gluten it's all very technical that's, but yeah. you know you're still arriving the same place uh, uh, I assume Sanders and as well they're yeah. good option <laughs> uh, and I, I must say I've seen the, uh, the Matrix trailer already Serena and uh, the only difference I could see was that he has a beard now.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what? I wanted to tell you what it was all about, but I, I can't tell you what it's about by no. watching the trailer. Basically, I don't think he knows what it's about either because he's forgotten about Well, it looks like they're and... back in the
0: same place yeah. and he meets a woman and they go have met before. Ooh, let's I, go and kill some oh, people. Oh
1: my god, that's the trailer. Let's Yeah, take, that's the take trailer. A we don't yeah, that's you, pretty much just, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but look, i um, oh, I just think at the moment don't we just want movies and TV shows and stuff that we know and can just revisit again because we just want to be in somewhere that's familiar, even though The Matrix is such an unfamiliar territory. I'm i am I'm going to this because I never would have thought I would be able to say that Ariana Grande would be in a Matrix film. Oh, is she? No, she's not. She's in Don't Look Up. Okay. I never oh, can yeah, say. Never. Oh, my God. Ah, oh, damn. <laughs> Ariana
0: Grande is <laughs> not in The Matrix. Okay, so, Keanu Reeves is, is Ariana Grande.
2: <laughs> wow,
0: and how does she feel about wearing the beard? That must be very straightforward.
1: Priyanka Chopra Jonas <laughs> is Anyway Okay, let's move
0: on to Don't Look Up then.
1: Well, yeah. Ariana Grande is Is she? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's been a lot of star-studded um, trailers that have been released this week. Um, the Matrix comes out at Christmas time. Um, the, the Matrix re, uh, The Matrix 4. Yeah. Don't Look Up is on Netflix and wow. Again, a f- a trailer, it was only a minute long, didn't really know what was going on, but wow the stars in this. You've got um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Timothy Chalamet, Jonah Hill, Mary's Streep, Kate Blanchett, Matthew Perry. And if you haven't heard, Ariana Grande is also in this. Mm. <laughs> and it's written and directed by Adam McKay. And basically it's telling the story of two low-level astronomers who have to go on this massive media tour to warn the world that... Um, Planet Earth is going to be destroyed by this comet that's approaching. Okay. Is Bruce Willis in this? No.
0: No. Okay. So it's not diehard. No. Then everyone dies there. <laughs> no, but no, I, no uh, Bruce Willis flew up and killed the comet. You, know, you remember? <laughs> they are,
2: they <laughs> Don't we? Yeah, thank you. But yeah.
1: Look, I'm, I, do you know what? I'm really looking forward to this because I love what Adam McKay did. I The first time I really got into Adam McKay stuff was when he did. Remember the big short where he was talking about mm. the global fin- financial yeah. crisis? I just think his commentary... On stuff that's current, and obviously this is all about global warming and climate change. So I cannot wait to see what he does here, and I'll watch anything with Leo DiCaprio in it. Uh,
0: and what? Who does Ariana Grande play in this? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Okay, <laughs> she is the asteroid. <laughs> Perfect. She's not wearing a beard, hurtling towards the planet. <laughs> uh, and there's a Janet Jackson documentary on it as well.
1: So excited about this one! So Janet Jackson has fi- has said that this is my story told by me, not through someone else's eyes. It's coming in. Um, January, it's going to be a two-parter, a four-hour in total documentary. She's been in the business for over 40 years. Mm. But she's been one of the Jacksons who hasn't really spoken. She's only ever spoken through her music. And I love that in this trailer, the song that they've chosen to play in the background is Control. So she's talking about, you know, the fact that her father's in control. And now it's really interesting because her father died two years ago. So this has been five years in the making. But I wonder if she's been waiting for her dad not to be here. To release this. Um, there's cameos as well by um, major figures, including Mariah Carey. OK, so I cannot wait to see what they say about Janet and how Janet has influenced um, their lives. So really interesting. Four hours. They're talking about home video footage that Mar- we...
0: Mariah carries on to say how she influenced um, Janet Jackson, not the other way
1: around. <laughs> <I imagine. laughs> but look, there's, um, there's home video footage that we haven't seen before. And when it comes to the Jacksons, you really do think you've seen everything because they've been around since word dot. I mean, um, Janet was acting from about the age of four or five. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait, can't wait to see what she's got to say. And she's also addressing the Super Bowl um, performance uh, that she did with water Justin The wardrobe malfunction, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, so be how, really... how many years ago was that? Gosh, that's going back a while now. Was that early noughties?
0: Yeah, yeah it's been. going
1: back a while now. So I'll be interested to to hear what she says about that as well. And she's also addressing the death of Michael and how it's affected her. And actually, just recently on Instagram, she put up a little uh, post to Michael as well, just telling him how much she misses him. So.
0: OK, uh, well, that would be interesting, you know, how much she's going to address about Michael. And, and you know, he, he's a brother, so, you know, you're going to feel ambivalent. I'd say there's not going to be much addressed about that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's going to skim the surface. OK, not that bit then. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Watch it for Mariah. Uh, so let's move let's move on to our first beer of the day then. OK, so we've got Anger Weizenbog. So, this
3: is a thing. Now, what we're looking at today, uh, when it comes to beer styles, um, beer styles are there to try and give us an idea as to what to expect out of the beer. And then as time goes on, it can sometimes become a bit like Star Wars fans where you've got Star Wars fans who are people who have watched Star Wars and you have Star Wars fans who only qualify to be Star Wars fans because they wear the uniform, they go to all the conventions Indeed. and so on.
0: But this sounds like a planet in Star Wars. The <laughs>
3: beer it does, yeah. With, with beer styles, uh, uh, now when I say beer geeks, I'm a beer geek, so anybody who's offended by, by the term beer geek uh, um, I'm, I'm talking about myself. Uh, often beer geeks keep on defining beer styles so tightly and tightly and Tightly that you end up with hundreds of beer styles mm. uh, and so on, but just in broad terms, what often happens with beer styles is that they're kind of Tweaked and changed by different brewers, and the result is that you end up with a different beer style. And if there's a country that you would think this wouldn't happen in, it would be Germany, but this style is a style that was tweaked from one end of Germany as it went to another. So in Einbeck, they developed the Bock beer style, and then that style kind of moved down to the south of Germany. And when it got to the south of Germany, they liked Weiss beer there, so they took Weiss beer and Bock beer put the two of them together and made a Weizenbach. So that's what this is. Mm. Bock beer is a strong German lager. Uh, 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 Weis, uh, beer is a wheat ale. So it's brewed with ale yeast and you get a huge amount of uh, fruit flavour in it. It's like um, peach, banana, strawberry, mm. um, yeah. massive amount of, of fruit flavour. Um, low on bitterness. And then it's balanced out with spice that comes from the fermentation. And the spice comes through with uh, uh, clove, uh, which is kind of classic, again, for the for the vice beer style, uh, but also kind of creamy nutmeg, uh, cinnamon, white pepper. It's um, lovely. Those type it things. really is. It really yeah. is delicious. Lovely beer. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's absolutely delicious. So, I mean, is theres there... Is there well, I suppose the Germans would be very civilised about this, but is there a classic German beer style then? You know, as you say, it moves through the country and then it kind of fragments a bit. They
3: can they can get a, a, a quite precise. So like a, a Helles tends to be within kind of 0.4% in ABV. So it's, you know, 4.7% um, to 5.1% would be uh, the typical range for a Helles. Um, with uh, uh, Bock beers, they've evolved into four different uh, styles. So you've got uh, Doppelbock, Maybach, Bach, um, uh, Eisbach and uh, Weizenbach. Um, uh, they're fun words to say. Are they <laughs> just? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: so, so. I think I'm, I'm, I'm finding my inner child here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's all you need to say. They are fun words to yeah, say. There's yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing like a fun word to say. Right? Okay. They are absolutely lovely. Uh, the uh, someone says that the uh, Ciaran says one of the Matrix Resurrection, which is the film we were talking about. screenwriters, is David Mitchell, uh, the author who wrote Cloud Atlas and many other books, who lives in uh, near Clonakilty in West Cork. So that's a bit... There you go. That's a bit fancy uh, for, for that. And uh, someone else wants to know, I'm just back, another cork one. Uh, I'm just back from Santorini, where we had a beautifully, a beautiful locally brewed beer called Yellow Donkey does Dean know if you can get this in Ireland or particularly Cork not, they don't care about Ireland can, yeah. you can you get it in Cork can
3: you get it in Cork and has it made it out of Cork to yeah. the rest of Ireland yes indeed. <laughs> to not Cork um, so I, I, it's not one I'm familiar with um, I'm hesitant to say that it's not in the country but I haven't seen it around there is a possibility that somebody's bringing it in because there are smaller mm. parcels of beer being brought in on occasion yeah. Um, but uh, yeah no. Uh, one of the things that we've got now is that there are so many um, uh, about two two and a half years ago Um, I was at a a brewing conference in San Diego. And at that time, uh, America was at about 6,000 breweries. They were projecting to get to 9,000. They were worried with the pandemic that that would drop by 60%. We're at 8,600 in America. We're over 2,500 in the UK. And what's happening is that breweries are kind of becoming a little bit like restaurants where, you know, you can have um, restaurants like McDonald's that are all over the, the world and then you've got kind of local um, uh, restaurants that you go to the area and you kind of go to a restaurant and that's the only place that you'll get to experience it. And sometimes breweries can be like that. They're available in their local area and, and not uh, not more broadly than that. Right,
0: but say in Santorini, in, in Greece, uh, are there many breweries? Would there be in the Mediterranean countries? Would they be taken off there as well?
3: There are. The, um, there's Uh, a number of larger breweries, one owned by Carlsberg um, and that tends to to make it around a little bit, another one by uh, Hellenic Breweries, uh, Hit I think it's called um, that uh, Mythos is the one that's owned by uh, Carlsberg Mythos was available in Ireland but uh, um, uh, not uh, available anymore in Ireland Uh, Hit um, I think has appeared in Ireland, Um, again uh, when you've got a bigger company with more distribution Mm. sometimes it can uh, mean that the, the beer travels a bit more um, in terms of craft beer scene um, I've, I've, I haven't been to Greece so I haven't yeah. kind of got a good handle on the, the number of craft beers yeah I'd be
0: interested to see actually because Ooh. I suppose you can almost say like wine dominated countries because even the, you know the Greek wine industry probably hasn't uh, it, well, even though it's huge there it, it doesn't get you don't see that many Greek wines here absolutely you know, yeah, uh, yeah particularly uh, and somebody else is texting in to say Ariana Grande is Mariah Carey as Janet Jackson in The Matrix 4 <laughs> Esther what movie would you like to talk about first?
2: I want to see that film Me too, (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) Oh, I can't decide Let's do Let's do respect actually Let's do respect Okay Okay.
0: Uh, Aretha coming up After this
2: How many albums have you had? Four
0: And no hits Honey, find the songs That move you Until you do that You ain't going nowhere
1: R-E-S-B-E-C-T Find out what it means to me R-E-S-B-E-C-T
0: You do talk, don't you? Not just sing.
1: I like you to call me Miss Franklin. You have to disturb the peace when you can't get no peace. There you
0: go. That's uh, the Aretha Franklin biopic, Respect. Uh, so Esther, it, it, does it? I mean, I've read a couple of reviews of this, and and. They weren't slamming the film, but kind of saying it's on there's an element of it being a by the numbers biopic.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that is a fair point. Um, I suppose I, I'm, I'm trying not to damn it with faint praise when I say I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Um, <laughs> but I think what the problem is here is, you know, everyone's talking about who the hell would Clay Rita Franklin, who mm. can do that voice, who can t- take the artist on. Well, I suppose the more interesting thing for me and where the film wobbles, I think, is how do you tell the story of an enigma? Uh, because she she was a very difficult woman to figure out, you know, notorious over her own um, property. You know, the, the wonderful Amazing Grace um, last year recording the Baptist Church uh, only released, you know, two years after she died. She fought against its release all of her life, all of her career. So, so it was quite controlling um, you know, always um, never let it revealed who the father of the the child she has when she, she had when she was just twelve years of age um, was and was very guarded about her personal life. Uh, suggested Hudson for the role after seeing her in Dream Girls, The two of them became friends, and uh, she is brilliant as her. And I think maybe Arita got the movie that Arita wants here, which is a film that doesn't reveal too much about her past or what made her tick. Although, as you say, they do frame the biopic around these kind of childhood tragedies and that can make it feel a little by numbers at times. You've also got an inexperienced um, film director here, a very experienced TV director, uh, Liesl Tommy, uh, but she's making her movie debut here. And I mean, what a life to try and encompass on screen in. Uh, in a two and a half hour film, you know, I think it's a little bit soft on some, like as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, her dad, Reverend C.L. Jack Franklin, was a bit mad. Um, and there was, you know, lots of reports of mad goings on in that house in her childhood. Do they mother, did,
0: uh, course, yeah. uh, did they dwell much? Because like, she grew up in, like, there was, you know, stars walking in and out the whole time. So, like, do they dwell on that much?
2: They do dwell on that, yeah. It's quite an um, enjoyable effect at times, actually. Um, and, they, yeah, one of the first scenes in the film is a, a big mad party in the house and they wake her up out of bed to come down and sing. Um, and that's kind of when she was about 10 years of age, uh, just before that. Um, shocking, shocking pregnancy. Um, and then it's framed from that time to kind of the 1970s. So you don't get the George Michael years or any of that. It's framed around that point, which is what I really liked about the film, I think, because it's two of the most interesting times in her musical career, as far as I would be concerned, and really interesting times in that, um, that was the 1967 recording of I Ain't Never uh, Loved A Man The Way I Love You, which was her first album with Atlantic. Um, and as it's stated in the film, she she started her career with Columbia and had recorded several albums for them, but she wanted a proper bona fide hit. She wanted to be a star, you know, um, and the second period, Um, musically where the film is framed around is the lead up to the recording of Amazing Grace in 1972 Mm. in that church in Los Angeles. Um, If you haven't seen it, I will stand outside your house and force you to watch it. Um, It is just absolutely wonderful and a, a lovely palate cleanser after this I think as well. If you go and see this in cinemas this weekend um, you can come home and watch that on demand afterwards. Um, and you can spot Mick Jagger down the back bopping away. Uh, one of the few white people in the church that day. Um, it's it's a wonderful film, but I think it frames that nicely. Here, she had you know, again something she didn't really talk about, but there were rumors that are alluded to here that she had issues with um alcoholism on and off throughout her career. Mm. And uh, when she goes back, she's you know she's proven. Everything you improve in music, she's brought out all those albums, she's had all those hits and she decides in the 70s following you know a period again of, of struggling with alcoholism that she wants to go back to church, basically, and uh, she has to persuade all of these people uh, who are now, you know, on the payroll and, you know, in, invested in her making more pop and soul and, and gospel as, as a combo. But she goes back and she wants to make a pure gospel album which was, of course, Amazing Grace, which mm. turned out to be the the big the biggest selling album she ever had for all of the more famous hits. Um, and that's really, really interesting times for me that it covers. Um, I think it does. It's a very patchy film. It's a two and a half hour long film, which could fly by in the hands of skilled filmmakers. But at the pacing's off here from pretty early on. So that's problematic. But. The, there were bits for me that just soared um, as I say when when you hear um, Jennifer Hudson sing Ain't No Way um, among among other songs it's just spectacular spectacular yeah. vocal performance you did and mention uh, the father
0: and the father you know and if you know anything like the father was in Svengali but maybe there was something dodgy going on there but you can't can quite put your finger on it but, uh, and there is a bit in that like apparently it is a bit in the Amazing Grace where he goes up while she's singing and mops her brow which is just, yes. I don't know, kind of creepy, uh, which apparently he did all the time. Do they do this dwell much on, on the, uh, the marriage?
2: They do dwell on the marriage, actually, quite a lot. Um, and actually, Ain't No Way is framed around her realisation um, through the words of that song that she is in this bad relationship um, with Ted White, who's played by uh, Marlon Wayans, who's really good, uh, who gradually becomes more and more abusive towards her. And it's really interestingly handled in that kind of passionate relationship where you wouldn't you wouldn't give witness to it now um, but you know a lot of people talk about them fighting and the fights that they had when it becomes quite apparent that he is taking a lot of control over her both her you know both in, in their marriage and, and in physical abuse but also in a mental abuse I think he really meddled when she switched to Atlantic and the scenes with uh, Jerry Wexler, Wexler. the, the mm-hmm. producer, are fantastic, by the way. And there are wonderful scenes of process of them tinkering around with songs down in Muscle Shoals with the band uh, who she walks in. And, uh, you know, is not impressed when she sees an all white band in a southern town uh, to record with her. But they kind of win her over gradually. Um and that's all very well, interestingly done. But again, you, you you know, Ted White's framed as the man who tried to meddle with all of that and tried to control all of that. And of course, by that period, he was also her manager as well as her husband. Uh, so I found it very interesting. I think if you don't know a lot about her life, you will like it. Uh, frustrating in its storytelling at times, I would say. But it does the important stuff well. And the important stuff is the music. Um, and I think Aretha would be delighted that we know no more about her, haven't seen the film. Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh, Her last little joke to us from Beyond the Grave. Uh, Do you
0: know when there's another Ghostbusters movie coming out? I saw the trailer a while back, haven't heard anything about it since. Do you know when that's coming out? Gosh,
2: I mean, there's so much flux with all the release dates. They're only getting back, starting to get back to normal. So I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. But that is well, well in post-production. That could be out later this year, possibly. All
0: right, okay. And uh, another question, uh, have you seen The Alpinist? Itching to see it. It looks heart-wrenching and heart-warming all in one, says Paul.
2: No, you've got me. Sorry. I don't know that one.
0: No, Serena doesn't either. Neither does Dean. So, uh, (laughs) well, out of luck there, Paul. Are you You sure it's called that?
2: You'd think Dean would know about Noah it now and all you. So think he would, would yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, listen, Paul, yeah.
0: Paul in Selbridge is Ariana Grande in this movie because you might be a bit confused. Uh, that, I'm just just suggesting that. Uh, right now, it, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, Britney Spears would have been a shoe in for The Matrix uh, if she'd been available.
1: Uh, but she might be when they make Matrix 5. Maybe, maybe. And hopefully by then, this conservatorship will be well and truly over. It's just getting, the longer that this goes on, I mean, we all knew that things weren't quite right. But the longer that this goes on, I think this story becomes sadder and sadder. Um, It was back in July. Brittany went to court and asked can, you know, she wanted to get rid of her dad from the conservatorship. He said, I will do it. I will do it in time. I need some, you know, a handover period and stuff. And anyway, that wasn't good enough. He's now come out and said, that's it. I'm walking away. Yeah, great. Um,
0: yeah, it's not so straightforward though. Oh, why not? She's not just give her her car keys back, and that's and yeah. that's
1: what you think, yeah. right? So, look, there's still a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't really know about. At the end of the day, as well, the judge involved is the one who has final say about. Look, if he quits, that's that's one thing, but she has final say about whether or not this conservatorship. Should be over very interestingly enough now that he's walking away it's like well if I walk away if she wants a conservatorship over we should listen to Brittany um mm. now her counsel are allegedly saying that he has allegedly said no he has said this, but he they're saying that he's saying this because he doesn't want to be investigated further the council have said okay. regardless yeah. of whatever the outcome is, we are going to investigate what has happened over the last oh, is it 17 years. Two thousand and seven. I think my maths is oh really bad. Oh God!
0: There's only like ten quid left in the account.
1: Probably no, but look, there's money left in there because he made her work so hard and stuff. Yeah. But it's not, it's not as straightforward as it as it looks. You know, we all celebrated. I think you know, it doesn't matter what you think about Britney, whether you're a fan or not. It's a very sad situation. So everyone celebrated. Yeah, like that, It, it just strikes me as
0: bizarre. That, unless like there was evidence that Britney had some severe mental health problems or or, or, or was somehow kind of incapacitated, well, look, why don't they just go, yeah, it's yours, take it back?
1: Well, the thing is, right, I think, you know, we're all parents in this room. And mm. sometimes your children, doesn't matter how old they are, they need guidance. Yeah, sure. But you would hope that you, as a father, would guide appropriately what Britney has said in her statements, is that she wasn't being guided appropriately. She was being, you know, there were things that she couldn't do. She was, she, she basically wanted to have children, and she was told she couldn't have children. Right. So there's a lot of things that have happened there. It's not as straightforward as and we all think it is. And does your father
0: even prevent you having? I don't know. Uh, I don't. Really, yeah. Don't yeah. Even consider but, the details of that one. Yeah,
1: but basically, he's saying he's walking away. We now just have to see the next court case. Next date that's really important in this case is the 26th of September. We will see what will happen then.
0: Right, we will indeed. Uh, You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break. Uh, More beer, more movies, more goss after this. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Uh, Esther, Dean and Serena are still with us. Dean, let's move on to our second two beers. These are our Irish German style beers.
3: So what we've got is we've got two beers here that are interpreting German styles and the reason why I've picked these two out is one of them interprets a German style and it kind of follows the, the kind of the classic German style if you like. That's the Wicklow Brewery Weiss. And taste on that when you're talking about a Weiss beer what you're looking at is ripe banana, clove, uh, some other um, fruits complementing mm. that, and then some other um, spices coming through because it's a, a what they call a puff yeast, which is a, a, a yeast that generates um, the types of flavors that are associated with clove uh, phenolic flavors. Um, the second one is called Hopberg Hellas from uh, Barrelhead Brewery in Dublin, and what they've done with that is they've taken the Munich Helles style which is designed to be quite malty, have um, Mm. German hops with it, but what they've done is they've brought in some North American hops And uh, that brings a little bit of of fruitiness to it. Um, So it's kind of a a roasted lemon type of citrus, but quite subtle. Now, sometimes what happens with Irish breweries, I'm really happy to see that these guys haven't done this. They take uh, something like a Munich Helles and try and turn it into an IPA by just barreling in loads of hops (laughs) uh, because they like IPAs. And I kind of feel if you like IPAs, brew an IPA. With this, what they've done is they've they've really kind of done a great job in balancing out the flavour of the the German hops with uh, some American hops. I don't know. Just introducing a little bit of fruit into it, but two superb uh, examples of interpretation of the style. The Wicklow Brewery Vice has won gold medal at the uh, World Beer Awards as well. so I'm sorry Okay, well, for that.
0: good for yeah. them. Actually, and what's uh, 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 what are we looking at strength wise? We're these? both on four
3: point seven percent. The first okay. one, yeah, was seven point one percent. But they've got Amazing. nice character to them. They're both uh, uh, what's called sessionable, um, yeah. uh, which is uh, <laughs> when you've had the second beer, you still feel okay. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. Yeah.
0: Well, apart. From the first one and this first one was seven
3: 7.1 oh yeah. my god yeah, with both beers you're up you're yeah, at a a higher da- level but
0: dangerously it
3: is so easy to drink feel like yeah, it. just yeah. really really smooth uh, when it goes down
0: yeah and you can't pronounce that beer even before you've had it do you mind trying to pronounce uh, ask for a second one at the, uh, at the bar I, I would have thought right we'll move on to our uh, second movie of the day it is Herself here's a clip it's land Sandra
1: going to waste use it Build a house for you and your girls.
2: Dr. Jose,
1: why would you do this? Your mother was far more than a cleaner to me. She was a friend. She helped me through some bloody awful times. I want to give you the land and lend you the money to build your house. No, this much. You can't. I can. You can pay me back over as many years as, as we decide. Hmm? What do you say?
0: Right, uh, that's herself. Um, Is this a bit of a downer, Esther?
2: No, it's very sad in places, but it's actually very funny in places as well. There's some great characters in it and some great Dublin humour in it. Um, But it's really moving and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Hollywood is currently going, who's that girl? That girl is Claire Dunn. She's got a load more screenplays on the go uh, because she wrote this conceived the idea, as I said, after talking to um her her friend who had lost her you know, who was facing joining the, the homeless statistics, you know, the faceless statistics that we have in Ireland uh, for homelessness. Um and that she was her friend was going to become one of these people, she decided to start writing a screenplay. She was auditioning um for a pilot season in America at the time anyway. She had, had been busy. She was a very busy theatre actress. Um, and when it was hitting a bit of a quiet patch. So like the very, very best of creative people said, I fancy telling a story. If I don't get to tell somebody else's, I'll tell my own. Hmm. Um, and she started writing this screenplay, Sharon Horgan's production company. Uh, Merman saw the potential element pictures, quickly got on board. And uh, to Claire Jones bemusement, um, Phila Deloitte, who directed her in theatre, we'd know her in, in film land for films like Mamma Mia. Uh, but she would be a very well-known theatre director and said yeah I'll do it, I'll come to Dublin and shoot this but only if you take the lead role on. So there she was kind of shoved into the limelight and am I glad she was because she is absolutely exceptional exceptional in this film. Um, she plays Sandra, uh, she's a woman looking for shelter from her partner um, Gary who's brilliantly played by um, Ian Lloyd Anderson here very very well played um because it's it's you could just make a character like this a monster, but in, in the hands of someone as good as Lloyd anderson I think it's it, he's properly fleshed um and you get to see her sheer fear of him because in a scene very early in the film um she is savagely beaten by him um and you come you you know you realize the waiting lists aren't going to work for her the kind mm. of putting things on the long finger aren't going to work for her this is a woman in crisis, but she's also a very kind of steely character, very self-determined kind of character and is, you know, in, in awful pain and, and and terror at times and, and you know, in, in despair, I suppose, when doors get shut in her face. But very determined that she's going to get a, a safe home for her two small kids and she's going to leave this man. Um, what's interesting as well is, you know, you get to interact with his family and you realise there was a relationship here, there is in-laws. As well, you know, there's grandparents are going to see less of their kids. So I think the writing feeds into all of that in a really worthwhile, properly fleshed out way. Um, but anyway, she goes online. Uh, she's stuck in a hotel room, stuck there eating uh, takeaway food with nowhere to cook for her girls. And uh, she goes online and discovers this initiative where she could build a modest home for uh, on, of her own for €35,000. Um this is a real thing. this is based mm. on a um on a, a guy by the name of Dominic Stevens an Irishman who helps people do just that and has helped people do just that all over the world um and when Her she cleans for this woman who is a doctor. Um, Brilliant performance from the English actress Harriet Walter, who is delightfully kind of Mm curmudgeonly, semi retired doctor who, as you hear in the clip, was also good friends with with her mother. And when she discovers that she has a sense there's something going on anyway, you know, even even if she's into clean house, if you're interacting in each other's lives for that long, she has a sense there's something wrong in the marriage. Um, and when she discovers that she could build this house but she has no hope of getting land she says there you go down the bottom of my garden I haven't even cleaned it up it's totally you know property being totally put to waste there and she sets about um, doing this and then it comes kind of like comes kind of like the great movies about women determining their own lives like working girl and stuff like that Mm. you know she goes into DIY stores and She's patronised by people, but she kind of starts learning things very fast. She gets um, a group together, a, a delightful group of people um, who one of her friend, fellow cleaners works in a squat or lives in a squat and brings all her friends from the squat um, over. And Conlet Hill is magnificent as a builder who reluctantly decides. It's a lovely little moment of kindness, actually, in a film full of little kindnesses, um, He is a very curmudgeonly, grumpy builder who she asks for help and he kind of says, I would love to, but I'm not working weekends. I've had surgery recently. I'm not going down this road. It's too painful. And his own son, who is a character with Down syndrome, who is played by an actor with Down syndrome, comes out and hands her a pair of his old boots and says, there you go. Now you take them and basically shames his father into helping her. It's a beautiful <laughs> little scene in a film full of beautiful little scenes. You know, um, I really like this. Yes, it does break your heart at times. Yeah. Uh, but it's not grim. I would say yeah. it's never grim. It's full of hope, this. OK, um, and it sounds and like... a he, really powerful but, calling card for Claire Dunn, I would say. Uh,
0: and both of these are in cinemas.
2: Both of these are in cinemas from today. Yeah, yeah
0: indeed. Uh, right, finally, Serena, something, uh, seeing we were talking so much about music... Uh, the Eurovision is on this weekend.
1: Yes, very excited and too uh, well it's junior Eurovision and it's Now what is, does that
0: mean? Is that Well
1: uh... so this is um on TG Kaha starting on Sunday night for the next six weeks. It is a competition for nine to fourteen year olds to pick Islands representative in junior Eurovision. So there's kids from like there's the senior Eurovision, there's one for kids from all over the world. Um Australia have just said they're not sending um, uh, an entrant this year, but I still don't understand what we're doing in the Eurovision anyway. Yeah, and why aren't um, they
0: sending one? Is it a protest or something?
1: Well, it's because Australia... Yeah. Well, we won't go there, but Australia aren't letting citizens in or out of their country right, right. now. Right, OK. Um, but i the reason why I wanted to mention this as well is two of our very own are involved in this program. Louise Cantalon is hosting and Niamh Necronin is one of the judges. Um, basically, we're picking our representative to go over to Eurovision on the 19th of December in France. And in France? Okay. Yeah, Jedward, Linda Martin, Brian Kennedy, they all make an appearance as well. So Sunday night, TG Kaha, half eight. All right.
0: Good to see Jedward getting a bit of work uh, <laughs> at the moment.
1: Uh, right, that's our lot for today. Thanks to Esther
0: McCarthy, Serena Bellissimo, and Dean McGuinness, uh, part-time vet and researcher. And action. Movies and booze on Moncrief Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range Lidl, more for you
2: Enjoy alcohol sensibly Visit drinkaware.ie